0: Every fortnight we publish a talk from Eugene Halliday's collected works. These talks were recorded in Manchester and Liverpool, commencing in the late 1950s up until his death in 1987. This is episode 17 Bending the Knee. Of all the people we represent,
1: whether well, Mr. Tix, not one of them strive for perfection. Since it's quite obvious that the millions of people that we do know don't strive for perfection at all. In fact, most of them don't strive at all in any way. Because striving implies the application of effort over time, some sort of directional sense. Most people don't have a directional sense and don't strive. In fact, if we're to be quite technical about the word people, as we said before, the word people means knee-benders, or sexually determined, and these people, people as such, move along lines of least resistance, determined by pleasure and pain, and sexual impulses are at the back of every motive they have. And that is the proper definition of the word people so if we say there is a pyramid in the world, and the top brick of this pyramid should not be represented as in the Great Pyramid it was not the top brick there represents the infinite, the Allah for letter A and immediately below this is the line for all those people who are cosmically conscious but immediately we say people we've said knee benders now these who are cosmically conscious bend the knee to the principle of logos they actually believe that reason is inherent in the universe and they bend the knee to reason the Greek word logos means ratio and if you remember that the letter L is like a triangle, and the letter G is like a triangle, and we surround it with the O's and the S. we have a system of two wheels, one inside the other, and these two wheels represent the physical body and the subtle body, your material and your idea body, and coming out of the centre of it is the S, which means spirit, the spirit as transcendent is called spirit and is free and as involved in identification with the body, either the gross material body or the subtle body of the ideas, is called soul. Soul is spirit identified with a finite body. Whether so that body is a gross material body or a subtle body of ideas. As soon as one bends the knee, even to logic, the knee is bent but the people who bend the knee to pure logic are released from bending the knee to lower order things. Now, right at the bottom, we can have those that bend the knee physically in the act of calculation. They're the physical knee benders. They're called knee benders because most sexual intercourse in the animal posture was, of course, using the bent knee. And those uh, of you who've seen by the way, signs in Darkest India and elsewhere, gentlemen putting their little carts on one side, when I say have a cookie, you'll see them bending the knee. So that those who actually bent the knee physically became the type of knee benders. So if we cover the bottom row of the pyramid, which is a of bricks, with little drawings of men with their knees bended, and they're all busy with their girlfriends. They are bending the knee to the physical impulse. Now immediately above this level are the men who do not bend the knee to that but they bend the knee to the idea that there are powerful men above them who can order them about. Suppose the, when we say the bottom row is the labouring class but the workers, they're made to work not because they want to they don't want to they would much rather have girlfriends but because they're orientated towards girlfriends by the threat of castration they are kept at work now immediately above them are the commercialists and the clerks who don't want to be castrated and have sufficient intelligence to realise that if they can use their heads and learn reading, (coughs) writing and arithmetic they can act as mediators between power men and the knee bends. So in the bureaucracy we find a lot of people who wouldn't like to be caught doing naughty deeds in an open field at the back of whatever it is in any particular town whether Chaltonville or what is it, Sefton Park. Right?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: In each town there's a particular zone which is famous for this knee bending activity, and immediately above this level, there's a level we would call the middle class of clerks and lower commercialists. And above them are the individual men who are fond of saying that they're self made, and they mean that they feel an individual sense of striving within themselves to give orders. They tend to give orders to other people, either to clerks or to knee and of course above this level of the tough individual man are the men who say, the individual man himself is subject to cosmic law, and this we call the priests let's write them down here, priests uh, shall we call them hetmen here, they will be called warriors in the Bhagavad Gita terms, the priests are the Brahmins, the headsmen are the warriors, the tough fellows who are prepared to fight for it, and below them are the commercialists and <coughs> bureaucrats, and below them are workers. Now, all these are second line. <coughs> beyond them is something which is nothing. The undefined, the infinite, the unlimited. We have a fourfold caste system here. We can see it in Greece, we can see it in the same period uh, in Egypt, and we can see it in India, formulated very clearly as caste system. It is based on the fourfold structure of an individual human being. An individual human being is pitched either in nervous energy or intellect or feeling of physical body. These are the four orientations. So when we build our filament, if we like, we leave the top of the count, because that represents the infinite, and we divide this part into four layers. And in the bottom we put the workers, who are also the knee benders, and the bundles we put the clerks and uh, shopkeepers anybody who keeps the wheels of industry turning without making decisions without making initiative, and above them the headmen who make the individual decisions and above them the priests who claim to be acting in the name of the creator or universal reason now they're all bending the knee to something the priests are bending the knee to this curtain of In Chalmia they studied astronomy, and they called it astrology in Greece, that they meant by astrology what today is meant by astronomy, and they claimed that they had authority to give orders to everybody, no matter how tough as individuals they were. Individual strong men consulted the priests to get information about the probability that something would happen within the solar cycle. The priests knew when the Nile was going to flood. They had astronomical observatories and they knew exactly by star measurements when the year had completed itself. Individual strongmen consulted the priests, paid the priests for the information, and then used the information to employ the commercialists to control the workers. Now, when we look at the statement about the Bhagavad-gita, we see that all these who bend the knee are people, and yet, the only really people people are those physical knee-benders, the workers.
0: <clears throat>
1: and they are actually kept in terror in primitive societies <clears throat> by the threat of castration. It used to be customary to make the statement very, very openly, and you find it in the word testament, still extant. When the man swore that he was undertake something, he swore if I do not fulfil this, you may remove my testicles I am not worthy to generate. This is called a testament. It's set him in skeet, but you can find it in respectable dictionaries. <laughs> when the workers are frightened physically by this they just concentrate like man <coughs> on doing what work they are forced to do and nipping out in odd moments to find the girlfriend and spending their evenings in making whoopee as much as possible the clerks on the other hand are so terrified of being reduced to that level that they try to fulfil the conditions laid upon them by the individual power men, the head men and so the clerks accept education. They learn to read and write and do arithmetic and they try to pass their 11 pluses in order to avoid being classed as knee-bending workers. But they are still knee-benders and knee-benders to the men above them. And the individual men above them, the prime ministers and the Khrushchev's and the Kennedy's and such like people are under the advice of the priests, who claim to know something about the way cosmos runs. But the priests are bending the knee also. You didn't see a, an archbishop bend the knee before they alter the attitude. And he bends the knee to this concept of universal reason in order to impose on the individual power man, in order that he will impose on the commercialist, in order that he will impose on the worker. This is a hierarchy. Now beyond this social system, this 4 class system, there is no thing, no finite, there is the absolute. And the man who aims to be reflexively self-conscious is aiming to turn consciousness back onto itself, to release it from any objectification whatever, so that the consciousness that turns out of the worker identification into the park has escaped the lower knee-bending working level and identified with the clerk. The clerk who realizes that if you learn more you might become a headman, breaks identification with the clerk level and gets a business of his own. The individual man who realizes that there is another level above of cosmic knowledge might claim to have it and become a Hitler or a Mussolini or a Napoleon. And he tries to join the priests we get Charlie and the Holy Roman material empire formulated by such men. Each time they climb out from a lower level, they break identification by identifying with a higher level. You break the worker, you become a clerk. You break the work- clerk concept, you become uh, an individual self-made man. You break this concept and you join the cosmic priesthood. If you break this concept, you are free. You have no concept whatever. You are merely a pure consciousness identified with no form. And in so becoming, you are factually free of all the concepts below. If you are really free of them, you won't go about telling them that you are free of them, because they won't like it. They'll think you are Emerging no, their principles, refusing to worship their gods. You remember that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego refused to bend the knee to an idol and therefore were put in a fiery furnace. The fiery furnace referred to is the furnace of spirit. Spirit is represented anciently by fire. And either you identify with a finite form and therefore worship an idol, or you go into the fiery furnace. If you've got the nerves going to the fiery fairness, you'll find an angel is with you. In magical poems, this is your holy guardian angel, and is simply your own self at the point of reflexive awareness. You discover that you can subsist within the notion, <coughs> which is absolute energy. The Gita says that out of thousands, not one tries to become perfect. But out of the perfect, not one, actually gains the goal. if we say out to the workers we know that they don't strive for perfection at all they just strive to get through the day you know to get off to get a pint on the way home, get a quick working out again the clerks are striving to maintain the position that's called keeping up with the Joneses and the health men are striving to maintain that position Now, some men who consider themselves perfect, because perfect means pera fact, are claiming to be aware of cosmic logos, of universal reason. And they would call themselves the perfect, and the Gita is referring to these men as perfect. They say, we know the rules. And yet, funnily enough, they're still identified with cosmic logic there's something they haven't done. Or to be more accurate, there's nothing they haven't done. And until they do the nothing, they haven't finished their work. The word perfection is from pakere to make or do, from the PR root which implies reason. But, as Heraclitus pointed out, reason is an energy formulating. When energy moves along, it can move either rotating or not. If it moves without rotating, it never encloses a zone. But if after moving along for a certain distance it goes round, in the act of going round and getting hold of itself, tail in mouth, it has rationalized and formulated itself. It's formulated itself. The energy has now become involved in the formal system. In the act of rotating, it has gone under the law of pi ratio. It has gone under the law of ratio, that one thing is related to another thing formally, and that this is expressible mathematically and geometrically. Expressible in scientific terms mathematically and geometrically. So that the man who says, Oh, I know the thing, I am perfect in this sense, my conceptual mechanism is logical. And given the appropriate data, it will always come to a right conclusion. And therefore, I am perfect. He means, I am rationally doing. I am acting rationally. And yet the Gita says, that at least perfect. There may be a thousand perfect, and yet not one may attain what perfection is about. Each man, when he tries to transcend does so for a purpose. He's trying to get out of a limitation imposed upon his will. The worker may try to climb out and aspire to be a clerk,
0: the clerk
1: to be a self-made businessman, he to be a cosmic representative or priest, or divine king. But, when he gets to the priest level, if he's not careful, he will start resting on his laurels. He'll be satisfied with the formulation.
0: He now has below
1: him the... Has men, the clerks, and the workers, all under his control. This makes a curious cycle: where he's giving orders, the orders are going down, producing modifications, and the feedback from the orders given gives him another problem to solve. He is trapped within formal manifestation. Most men who are perfect in the sense that they have logical machines at work are so self-satisfied with their rationalising processes that they think it is enough. That's a decision they make. If they are satisfied to remain as big chief within cosmos, utilising cosmic law and acting rational in conformity with it, they have not completed the purpose of evolution. PR is the root of Pyratio. And if we spell it with a Y instead of an I, it spells fire, which is the Greek word for fire. Now, Heraclitus said that the Logos of the universe is an energy. This energy formulates. Now, the formulator tends to forget that the form is willed by the energy. Spirit wills form. So, he tends to stress the existing form the universe so he tends to go into a cosmic rut he keeps going round obeying the cosmic cycle if there had been only that type of perfect man then we would still be in the stage of social evolution of old Babylon we wouldn't have bothered to move because we would have said the stars in their courses have fixed patterns And by studying them, we can conform exactly to them and this is life. (coughs) This is exactly what the Asiatically originating Greek Stoic philosophy said. They said the universe is a logos, a formal structure. We understand this and therefore behave rationally. And the great man is the man who behaves rationally in conformity with cosmic law. And by cosmic law, they meant this wheel of energies Formulated as the Siderial System, the Solar System, the Planetary System, and so on. Everything was obedient to existing form. There are some other men who have no regard for this form, and even in the scientific sense, they're determined to blast everything to bits, shift the sun from where it is and put it somewhere else, put some stars out and make some new ones. This is not obeying the cosmic law that was set up. It's obeying something which is no law and yet is a law law means that which is laid down and the law maker is the energy that lays itself down so when it says of the perfect perhaps one in a thousand or not one in a thousand might make it it means that when you have reached the level of cosmic awareness that there is a logical cosmic structure if you stop there you still haven't completed the cycle you haven't turned your pi ratio your reason into the fiery energy You've generated it. And therefore you have not completed your reflexive cycle. If you examine yourself very carefully when you are reasoning you will find impelling your reason is energy. If you're reasoning very tightly you'll find there's a lot of energy behind it making you do so. You have a purpose. A purpose is something set before you for realisation and pushing it is your will. Your will is trying to get somewhere when it is reason. The reason is only a tool for the will. If the reason sets up a form, and the form that imposes on the will, the will has duped itself with its own creation. And therefore, even with the very highest forms, the perfect form of the sphere, the man who is duped by this sphere to conform to it rationally has missed his real aim, which is to rediscover the creativity of his own will. So, shortly, we can say that we don't expect uh, people as such as knee to work for perfection, for perfect rationality. But those beings who do attain a perfectly rational machine in the mind, when they've organised their mind so that it always works rationally. Of those, it is very unlikely that one of them will break out from the thousand perfect and gain that which is above this perfect form, namely the free will. If we were to build the structure of before men again, the workers, the clerks, the headmen, and the priests, and the miserable. If we apply to this one of the Yogi doctrines, we put earth down here, And then we put the water, and then we put the fire, and then we put the air, and on the top, the invisible, is the quintessence, the fifth essence. In yoga, that's the Akasha. Akasha means this invisible, which is necessarily at the back of the fourfold facts we see in the world we see solid bodies, we see a body liquefied, we see the same body with further heat turn into a gas, we see the same gas become incandescent and radiate away as energy. So we see four phases of being in the universe, and these four, because they change, must be modalities of something that we do not see. This which we do not see is the essence, called the quintessence, the fifth essence. If we like to do a diagram of the earth and say there's the earth and round it there is an atmosphere, sphere of water that might have been grouped together in certain deep holes in the earth to make seas where the mountains are stuck up and so on. But there's a geosphere, the earth, and an atmosphere, the water round it, or the hydrosphere as some would say, same in the be. and Round this hydrosphere, there's an atmosphere. And round this, there is another sphere, the sphere of uh, electromagnetic energies, the ionosphere, and so on. We have the earth solid, the water around it, the air around it, and the heat around that. And all these, in constant interplay, The animating principle of this is the heat. It moves the air, it moves the water, it moves the earth. And beyond these is that field in which these four have appeared. Now so far, scientists have done quite a lot of measurement with their Sputniks and other devices to measure the electromagnetic belts around the earth. They've they've done the uh, hydrosphere, the geosphere, the atmosphere. In recent years, in the last ten years, they've done quite a lot in the electromagnetic fields around the Earth. But beyond these, they have done very, very little. They're beginning to find, between the Earth and the Moon, that they can get readings of fields, gravitation fields. These are really the overlappings from the electromagnetic belts around the Earth from the Moon and so on. They're doubtful about whether Venus has one. If they don't get a reading, they might think it hasn't got one, because they will have to introduce the concept of a standing field that gives no reading on an instrument. It is still a field. In between all these planets, there is that which has condensed to form this <coughs> ionosphere, and this atmosphere, and this hydrosphere, and this geosphere. That was there before these condensations occurred, and it will be there when they dissolve. And this is the fifth. This is the quintessence of being. And the man who's aware of that (laughs) is unformulated and absent. He doesn't bend the knee to any form at all. He bends the knee to nothing. His own being is initiative, which is energy and he doesn't invent the knee to himself. So that, uh, the word Jew which means the mysterious perfection of God himself is used as a name for people that can even contradict themselves and not even bound by their own opinions about anything or whatever. We do not expect beings who are pursuing security, to transcend form, because as long as they're pursuing security, they have an idea that they're fine, and they have an idea that a formulation can protect them. And so they aim at it. In the case of the worker, he aims the roof over his head and one or two little appendages to it, and that is enough. The clerk requires slightly more, and the headman requires a bit more and the priest has a bit more. They're still under the canopy of heaven, and they still feel fairly safe within their definitions, within their formulations. But beyond this, the <coughs> quintessential being is unformed. He doesn't want to be secured at all. He wants to be free, and he knows that secure means tied up, locked up. That S is going to K, Spirit is going to bondage to gain security, so he prefers to be free from security. This doesn't stop him going inside somebody else's house if it's reigning, but it does mean that he is not dependent on the formulation. The quickest way to the quintessential or reflexive level is just to give up the idea of individual security. Because it's the quickest way, it's therefore the hardest way. Because a shortcut requires a terrific amount of energy to make the leap. But the way to it is to realize that these four levels do bend the knee. So that once a person has understood the level of the physical knee benders, he doesn't like to think of himself as down at that level. So he might, might start learning to read and write to avoid being pushed around. Some of you might have seen some gypsies being interviewed last night and saying, uh, we don't like being pushed about, and we don't like having nowhere to put our caravans, and if we go for jobs to the Ministry of Labour, the first thing they say is, can you read and write, and we say no, and then they won't employ us Because they couldn't read or write, they are being pushed about. As cities grow, there's less and less common land free, for the gypsy mentality, to camp on. And one of these young gypsies was asked, can't get a job at all, being unable to read or write? He said, yes, I could go as a labourer, but that is hard work. And the interviewer said, but other people have to do hard work? And he said, yes, but I'm not used to hard work. he have been dodging it. Now, compassion by broad-minded city fellows might give them a green plot to put their caravans on. But if it does, it's entirely an act of mercy on the Part of kind hearted citizens, if they get one. And there are a lot of people who think they shouldn't exist at all, because they contribute nothing whatever except a picturesque figure passing across the landscape to the social structure. Because of the law of the inequality of finites, I would say keep them like you would keep a few lions and tigers and rhinos for Prince Philip to chase after. Keep one of each, at least. Or two, if they have to breathe. (coughs) Certainly, we see that they are pushed about. When you realize it, you will be pushed about as long as you bend the knee to certain stimuli. The tendency may arise in you to try to climb up. If you haven't a lot of energy or clarity, you might not remember it tomorrow. You might remember it in five years' time when you go to a good play on a friend's TV set. Because you've never been able to afford the money yourself because the brewer got it. If you become a clerk, you discover that you can be ordered about, you might even become redundant at the will of the boss, who might decide to shift the whole thing from Liverpool back to Dagenham, or whatever it is. Each time you get an impulse to try to climb out. But if you can't remember what you're climbing out of tomorrow, your decision might lapse till next year. In fact, it might not recur again unless somebody hits you very hard. And so climbing out from each level is very hard. If you become an individual headman, climbing out of the sense of power, of being a self-made figure, especially if you've received uh, a title for your demonstration, can be very hard. But if you do manage to climb out of this thing, maybe you're too old yourself, but you realize with the money you've got, you could educate one of your children to be the Archbishop of Canterbury. Or if you're lucky, the Pope. If he climbs out, you could say he's fulfilling my purpose, he's gone beyond self made man, and he's now entirely supported by universal principle. But if he gets locked in that level, he's still entirely subordinate to the free movement of spirit outside that might suddenly remove the whole thing. It's not very, very long ago, I think, what was it, 1929, the year of the Wall Street crash when. Uh, Vatican City got itself a hundred acres of ground. The Italian government had stolen Rome from them in the previous century after centuries of supreme authority. They were reduced down to a little park of their own. We can never tell where that spirit is going to hit next because it is free, it is unformulated, it is not determined, it is not predictable. The symbol in the tower, back if you remember, is the tower. Out of this tower, two men are falling. One is a pope and the other is a king. The power is spiritual and the power is temporal. Coming out of the sky, there is lightning. Who knows where the lightning is going to strike? Nobody. You may put your lightning conductors up it doesn't mean that it's going to hit the conductor and knock your building. It may. Statistics and probability give people a feeling of security. The even if the lightning misses you there, if it decides to come underneath and shake your foundations, you'll still fall. There is no guarantee whatever of continued existence for any formulated being. And therefore the only immortal level is the level of non-formulation. To be identified with no thing whatever is to be quintessential and to be reflexive. You've turned back the spirit that entered into this process, created the four cats, and you go back. One of the significances of the sign of Taurus. You go in, you go out. If you remember that if there is an in, there is an out. If there is a finite, there is an infinite, and so on. And you prefer, like Abel did, the infinite. And uh, having learned the lesson of Abel, you may not sacrifice in the presence of Cain, because he doesn't like it. The canny man, if he thinks you are being absolute, will be very upset. The perfectionist will be very upset. You are not bending the nature to his forms. And he has climbed out from below to release himself from the orders coming to him from above. At each level he's climbed out, he has an idea growing in his mind that someday he will give the orders to everybody. He will be a big priest, if possible, after the order of Melchizedek, and he will tell you what to do.
0: In the Indian Dharma concept, is that the means of imposing this upon people, or at its highest level, it says if the being becomes what he is. It's that concept, isn't it? He does and becomes what he is yes. and he can achieve um, the way of truth or the light itself. Mm. But I, I see this from the, uh, the priest level, from the Brahmin level, as I'm an imposition. It's it? saying you are a worker, and this is your job, and this you must accept. Uh,
1: oh yes, because we know that the absolute truth. Mm where it has filtered through in the form of myth or religious system, has been abused. But Nevertheless, the statement is true that if a a man who is at the worker level bending the knee, if he could see through it and see that this knee bending is a function of universal spirit, and this is precipitated by the Amsterdam, he could actually be free in his act. He could reinterpret that. He could still chase the girl in the park. And he could see it as a play of spiritual energies Reading that
0: experience, I'm doing that so as part of the cycle. Yes, as part of
1: the cycle. And as part of the hierarchy. If he did that, then he would not be bound by it. But the general test of that is are you doing it by inclination? If by inclination you are not at the level where you're doing it freely, there is a bias in the body. And if you don't want to pull your own leg, then you test yourself for inclination. And if you can do without it completely, then, and not before, are you really doing it freely when you do it. So when it says in the concept of dharma, which means law of being, and the statement is made, that every being fulfil the law of its own being, it is better for a worm to worm about efficiently, than for it to come out and declare itself to be an eagle and get gobbled up. If it fulfills that function adequately and reflexively its joy is as great as the eagle's. And if it's doing it by inclination only it is under the cosmic law. The whole test is are we passive or active in a stimulus situation. If the stimulus determines our behavior, we are in bondage. If the stimulus cannot force us to behave in any way at all, then what we do is a free act. And it doesn't matter what we do, because matter is a modality of spirit. It is spirit materializing. And to be non-dualistic, it does not matter in any way, nor does spirit in any way, unless you put a will stress upon it. And if your will is free, there are no values to you other than those created by your own will.
0: How would you break this level from being nearly involved within it? Would it be this means of, of universalizing it eventually? As we once did say with the road sweeper, or um, any, any particular activity
1: whatsoever. You mean break it when you're actually doing a low-level dharma?
0: So, saying you took somebody at that level, it's all right. They've worked for generations, perhaps, at this particular level. Bricklaying or... Yeah. ...a labouring job, even more than that. Yeah. At a certain point, there's a break through that job where, where, where they see that... not that there is something beyond it, like, say, the clerk level, but that uh, this dharma function is actually functioning they break through and and do become reflexively self-conscious. Where where would the breakthrough occur there? Would it it be... Where they saw energy to be all there
1: was in the environment. You remember Brother Lawrence does this, Mm. doesn't he? He sees some dead trees with no leaves out of it is winter. And he remembers that in the spring there will be leaves like there were last year so he knows there is energy there and that in its time it will come out. So if you see the material situation as merely a formulation of energy and you get home of your own energy, your will, then you are at one
0: with the situation. <coughs> whatever you do, you are released from it. But you don't need to strive above that then, do you? Getting... No, there's it. No, you recognize that you could live was... anything. Of course, yes. Because only spirit.
1: The Jiva Moksha in uh, yoga philosophy is the the free in life. Free while he's alive. Jiva means individual self, and Moksha means freedom. You are free while you're still an individual, providing you see your individuality as pure spirit, pure energy. The, The form that is there is only energy formulated. There's no duality. There isn't a material world. And the spiritual world elsewhere, waiting for you to abandon the material world to find it. But it is here and now. Francis Thompson puts it, uh, turn, <coughs> turn but a step, and start to wing. You see, there's an angel under every step, actually in the step. It says, "Our world invisible, we view it. Inapprehensible, we clutch it. It's <coughs> not a figure of speech. I hold a pencil in my hand, if I think it's a material object other than spirit, I'm deceived. But if I think that this pencil is a modality of spirit, then the pencil itself is a spiritual entity. And then I don't need to go away to the MLS and meditate to find spirit like Tyrone Power did on one occasion, because I can see it in the pencil. And the whole thing is an in interpretation. Your inner situation and the way you interpret it, and nothing else, conditions how that situation acts upon you and how you react. The primitive mentality of the pantheus saw the wind as a willful spirit, deliberately blowing his hair up at the back, and he saw a stone falling down onto his foot as malicious, intending to hurt him. That was his interpretation. We today interpret it the stone doesn't know where it's falling, it's just going down towards the centre of the earth, and it's our business to remove the foot. At each level we reinterpret, we release ourselves from the previous formulation. So that daily reinterpretation is essential to avoid getting into a formal groove about how to look at the world. <laughs> Well, produced daily in the original sense yeah. of day means any division whatever. Moment, no. A moment uh, in engineering, a turning moment, a moment of reorientation. That should be going on continuously.
0: This
1: is breaking identification in the now all the time. Hmm. You see, supposing somebody said, oh, I have heard vaguely uh, in an article by Anders Huxley that uh, there is a heaven land which one can tend to mess you in if one can get some and there's a slightly longer way by like yoga practice and say what's the shortest way to getting there and you say oh the method called assumption what's that assume you're there now act as if you were there how do you act if you're there What do you do if you've already attained your absoluteness? Ask yourself, and then do it. It's really as simple as that. But think how much energy you need to get together, to focus in a now existentially where you are, and say now how would the absolute act? Imagine man on the second level is his pen in the book and it suddenly cares in his mind, how would the absolute act at this point? He's writing in this book. There are so many things open to it, anything could happen. And he becomes free at this moment. What's the weather like? Sun Look mm-hmm. What's the atmosphere like in this office? Could hold it hold Not enough oxygen. I know. I'll go and see the boss and tell him we need more oxygen. Now, he could do this. And he could get away with it he could actually cause the boss to produce an oxygen machine. And in a particular case that was actually a ham. And he got an oxygen machine. <laughs> but he has to realise what the hampshire would do in that situation. And then, overthrowing all his inertias and fears, get up and go and do it. And the moment he does it, he is free. That's called the short way. Zen is about that same thing. Zen does it negatively. It says, inhibit all the things you know about yourself, and keep on inhibiting. In the answer, you're saying, hold the bow and wait for the arrow to shoot how much talent you got? It's a negative way. The other way is the shorter way than the immediate way of Zen it's immediately <laughs> Ask yourself, what would the absolute do, and the answer is anything. And why are
0: you doing this particular thing? That's
1: inertia. Or breaking. Doesn't matter what you do, get up and go out and spend the day in the cinema. And then decide whether you'll go back or not. When well, you've been. Maybe you won't want to see the program. Maybe it's a lousy program. So you go elsewhere. But to do this, you have to break the inertia of the self-protection of your individual vehicle. So although it's the short way, and is the shortest way, and it's the simplest way, it is not easy because of the inertias. But when you realise there aren't anything other than inertias to overcome, then you spend your time overcoming inertias. Uh, the word that uh, the Gita uses <coughs> uh, for these perfected, enlightened beings Siddhi and Siddhi you can tell by the use of the D's inside it that it is an analytical word the S symbolizes spirit and the D symbolizes analysis so it's perfectly obvious why the Gita says these perfected these Siddhi men are quite probably going to miss it because they are formulators, they're analyzers the absolute does not analyze and of those who have analysed right to the top of the cosmic principle. then it's likely to say now we will jump beyond
0: analysis this is why the um, there's a tremendous difficulty in this particular interpretation of Francisco <coughs> because the book itself is interpreted by the very men who, who are operated. in effect <laughs> in <laughs> a sense remember yes. you know, you know, Charlton Heston didn't happen <laughs> this them <themselves>, <laughs> <laughs> they say it's terribly hard to interpret saying. it's very widely you interpreted can't interpret that, that saying now. unless you are pitched mm. outside form mm. otherwise you will try to rationalize it within your conceptual structure you must justify your own position and you, don't you, have you to can't see beyond it, 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 yeah. it because
1: they would say how can we think about it without thinking about it and the answer is you can't so give up but if we give up thinking there's nothing there and good one. Precisely by this nothing we can do something. Which is the meaning of Tao The Yoga philosophy says this simple thing <coughs> is so difficult that you should spend all your time sweeping away the rubbish that stops you doing. It has it in the perfectly charming illustration that the yogi sits like a, a lamp flame in a windless place. He's not returned. this flame is self reflexive awareness it does nothing stimuli come and it doesn't trigger he's attaining the same in reflexiveness and he's not formulated the concept we've heard it before the candle, the wick and the flame what is happening it says as the smith refines silver so do the wise men find away their defilements the silversmith, of course, is the mind. Clean and upper. The mind's metal is silver. The silversmith boils this metal and lets it settle, and a scum comes on top. He removes it. He does it again. Another scum comes. He does it again. He keeps on doing it. He does it seven times. And he takes the scum off each time, and then he's got his refined silver. The mind with the rubbish removed from it. Now, all the rubbish that appears in the mind appears for us, at our level, seriously. If we dare to watch our thoughts without criticism, just without criticism, look at them, we will be literally amazed at the profound rubbish that goes through the mind. Logicalities, stupidities, resentments, hate, angers, sentimentalities, Nothing but a continuous stream of entirely valueless stuff. This is called watching the monkey jump. The mind is a kind of monkey. Monkey is key to the man. This mind just talks try continuously. If you watch it to become convinced in this fact, you finally give it up. You say, oh, what a horrible thing to depend on. But if you don't watch it, If you only look at it when you get a good idea, and it's a good place, it's a good idea, and it is mine, then you've got trouble. Look at the other times when you don't get that brilliant idea and see what you're up to. Which is about nearly 100% of your time. The mind is churning out rubbish. So you have to say, I'm getting rid of the rubbish. Now boiling this silver, boiling the mind, is the same thing as getting annoyed. It is the anger, the heat, it is generated in you by opposition that boils your mind. And this is where, if you're a very smart fellow, you'll employ a boiler. That is somebody to annoy you. Because without this annoyance, you cannot become aware of the parts of the mind that are really storing up this rubbish. Opposition is true friendship. Get somebody to insult you and see how your mind reacts. And don't waste time looking at him. Look at your own reaction. You find the mind is full of rubbish. Eventually you become convinced that the mind is rubbish. Now, this candle, when it is burning, it's like brother Cain. Call it Cain's doll, if you like. There's a wick in it. The word wick means quick. That's like your spinal cord. It's your consciousness, like a flame there And as it's burning, the wax of this candle is going down it's funny that, it's called wax but it wanes as you burn it it's the flame of course that waxes, and the wax is called wax because it wanes and makes the flame wax as your body is progressively being purified the elements that were hidden in unconscious and subconscious processes in the body appear as wisdom, as consciousness but they won't do unless you set fire to the body. And the only way you can set fire to the body is by annoying it. And most bodies are so adequately defended against self-annoyance, that the only effective way is to get a friend to annoy you.
0: It's really terribly important,
1: this thing, about being annoyed and watching your mind. If you could have, say, uh, two or three days, two or three evenings a week, just sitting in a circle saying little things to each other. It is actually a good thing. It doesn't matter if somebody abuses it and starts being rude for what they would internally feel is just venom. They've always wanted to do this exercise.
0: (laughs) It doesn't matter at all
1: about this. It's how the individual receives it. This is for every individual to take the annoyance and switch the attention off this man because he never did annoy (laughs) you in any case. He knows nothing about you. You He merely shot one of his arrows. If you have a tender spot, examine your tender spot. Very, very good exercise, I recommend. It's quite a good idea to pay each other, incidentally, in presents, for very good alliances, for which illumination was <laughs> One mouth bar shall be awarded for every bitterness felt. That's it's
0: that's a good way to do it.
1: Near no final question.
0: How about these? I've just so much to think about and work out. I couldn't ask a question.
1: <coughs> See how you're looking to know answer. Why have you inverted five in this particular number? Why have I? Uh, because in this particular cast system diagram the airmen actually consider themselves superior to the power. You see, the airmen in India, the Brahmins, place themselves on top. And for a long time, by their airy tricks, they tute the individuals to be subordinate. Just them, just the
0: airy
1: no, they were actually airy men who were formerly <coughs> And the energy men were too busy to stop them. So they imposed on the clerks and the workers. And they utilized the tendency of firemen to go out and fight. As the firemen liked to do this, they actually encouraged them to make armies and go and knock somebody off in an adjacent territory. And for a long time this was quite all right. But when the units of society got bigger and bigger, gradually the firemen realized that they'd only been doing what they wanted to do when they went out fighting, and that the stay-at-home airmen had in fact been consolidating their positions, so that when the military leaders had been out and conquered something and came back and wanted glory, they found that the men who were giving permission for the celebration were airmen who had not fought. This is like the blessing of great uh, warriors by archbishops and so on. <coughs> at a certain point the firemen said these men have no power at all they just consolidate their position with and words while we're out fighting but they really can't fight and they rose up one night and they usurp the position and they severely threatened the airmen the priests and said now if you do not bless us with the blessing of your universal logical god in public where people can see it and say we are divine we will cut your heads off and at that moment they inverted the them and the firemen went on top and the divine knight of kings was born you remember <coughs> the obvious case of that is the end of the day, isn't it when it seemed convenient for him to be subordinated the Pope, on account of the divorce he needs, and some money invested in the monasteries, and he doesn't see any reason why I should go to Rome. He just asserts himself, breaks with the papacy, and declares himself head of the church. He's a farmer he said, Well, you had your bit of fun, as long as it's convenient for me to do it, all right. But I know you have no power. Except the power conferred upon him by a loose tongue. And I too can about one another. And she does. So he becomes not only king, but head of the church. And humorously enough, still remained Catholic in faith. He wasn't a Protestant. Thereby, he was quite right to take all the money out of the monastery. It was his. That was a typical example in England. The same thing that happened in India. <coughs> the parliament got fed up with the end and rationalizing their wages for <coughs> and took over. And then they employed the rationalizers to justify what they wanted to do next, which is the position of all established religions. Now the established church in any country is there to give universal divine blessing on whatever the king wants to do.
0: Are we now
1: then back on top now? No. Western countries? No. No, they'll never get on top again. It was only in an early stage of human evolution, but they could get on top. Well the firemen went out and (coughs) and the world was big enough to chase about.
0: But that would have been about the period of Germany. (coughs) Or where would you place the Great Men? the Great Men concept that we're speaking about with the week. Great men concept. Yes, you know, you know in, in, in Taurus, uh, that they would, but what would you call those headmen? They were definitely active men, weren't oh, they? Oh yes, they were active men, they were in Indian making decisions and assuming responsibilities mm. without any ground other than they were to do it. That they'd, they'd taken over their property from the airmen, or did yes. the airmen come away from them? Oh, the Admen, in the general. Would be in the Gemini, yes. Before that, everybody in council was intuitive. <laughs> so you couldn't do much with them at all. Then <laughs> 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 you went to cats, cats and the taxis and that. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Eugene Halliday podcast. Please subscribe to receive notifications of future episodes.